Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey everyone, welcome to Elijah Streams. Today's Thursday, September 29th, 2022. I'm your host, Kelsey O'Malley. Filling in for Steve Schultz today. We have an incredible show planned for you. Wanda Alger is our guest, and she says that we're not only in a new season, we're in a whole new era. And she's going to give us prophetic insight on what the Lord's been sharing with her. It's going to be awesome. But before we bring her on, a couple of announcements. Have you guys subscribed to American Warriors? If not, what are you doing? American Warriors is an incredible a documentary series that Steve's brother Warren produces, and it is such a high level of excellence. If you guys have served or if you know someone who's interested in war history, I mean, these documentaries are incredible. So would you please head over to American Warriors, subscribe to that channel, help it grow. A lot of work goes into this, and so we're believing God for him to grow the channel exponentially. Give us a like share it with others, leave a comment. And Warren's going to come on right now. There's a brand new episode airing today um, at 1 p.m. Pacific time, right? And then 4 p.m. Eastern time. So Warren, what is this new episode all about? Well, it's not every day you get access to an active three-star general, but we have one today. And his story is very interesting. He graduated law school as a young man and decided it wasn't enough for him. He wanted to be pushed and tested. So he joined the Marines and he was in for a few years. And then he decided he was about to get out. And then uh, uh, the uh, attack on the Trade Center happened and that changed the trajectory of his career. So that's basically the intro to the story. And uh, we'll see how, I don't wanna tell you too much more beyond that, but we have a trailer just to give you a taste and then I don't know if we want to tell them we're going to play that immediately at the end of Wanda's show, right? Yep. So you guys get to view it twice. That's right, because it'll premiere also on YouTube at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So let's play the trailer. In the summer of 2003, like, you know, nobody knew what an IED was. It wasn't part of our, our paradigm what was going to happen. And I distinctly remember in the summer of 2003 when the IED started showing up. So there were these things called ASPs, ammunition supply points, that started to get looted. And we sent patrols into those. My task force, Task Force Scorpion, we started doing a number of raids and ambushes. And uh, some of the sensitive site exploitation we got afterwards was our own special forces pamphlets on how to organize cells and things like that. And I remember, distinctly remember, one night writing uh, an assessment for a series of raids. Uh, this is organized. This is an insurgency. Wow. We want to thank them for their service because, oh my goodness. That's right. It's uh, so I I haven't followed his career afterwards, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the story takes us at the end. So be sure and watch well, and subscribe. Thanks, Warren, for coming on. And yes, make sure you guys subscribe to that channel. 
Um, send it all out, all the people that you know, this will really, really bless them, especially people who've been through that, who can relate and say, oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly what I went through. They have other people comment, like, we're, we're building that channel um, up right now. So that would really, really help us. Thanks so much. Before I bring on Wanda, I just wanted, really felt all day today, all day yesterday, like many of you guys, um, just the burden over Florida. So I just want to pray with you guys right now before we open up the show. Um, it's just, it's, it's heavy on so many people's hearts. And I don't know if there's people right now even watching from the state of Florida. Um, if you would maybe even comment in the comments right now, if you're from Florida, so we can begin praying for you, um, believing God that he would bring all that you need. So let's just come together in faith and lift up all of Florida. So, Father, we thank you that you comfort us in the midst of tragedy. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son so that we can have hope and encouragement when things seem so lost in our lives. And God, I just pray that you would bring all of the necessary uh, workers to the state of Florida to help. God, that you would be upon the governor. You would give him wisdom in making the decision, uh, the decisions that he makes for the state. Father, I'm just praying that you would bring the community together, Lord, to help one another. Father, let your message of the gospel go forth to strengthen hearts in this hard time. Father, I pray that you would send your angels. Lord, we pray just for the comfort of the Holy Spirit more than anything. Lord, comfort those hearts, God. And let them find you in the hard times, Lord. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, we fear no evil for you are with us. So, Father, we thank you that you bring beauty out of ashes. And, Lord, we believe that you have a mighty plan for each and every family affected. And, Lord, that they will see your hand and they will see your goodness in all of this. And Father, we thank you for sending the linemen to fix the power, God. We ask that you would be with them, keep them safe. Lord, we ask that all the water would begin to recede uh, and the damage, Lord. We just ask it would be a quick work, that you would accelerate the things that would maybe take longer. Lord, begin to accelerate it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys, we have an incredible show. My guest is Wanda Alger, and she is a, a prophetic voice. She's been a minister for 35 years. Uh, she's a speaker, an author, deliverance minister. She was a worship leader, which Wanda, I never knew that. I was reading about you today. I'm like, oh, she was a worship leader. Uh, her and her, her husband have served the Lord faithfully uh, for a very long time. She's a co-pastor, and we're so honored to have her on with us today. So let's welcome Wanda Alger. Hey, hey Wanda. Hi. So excited you. to have you because right away when we hear there's a new era, a, a new time coming, a new age coming, right away our spirits stir within us because that is our, our hope is always for that. Our hope is always for Lord come. Lord, we want to partner with you. So would you share with us um, just what the Lord's been telling you about that? Yeah, well, I've really been looking forward to today. Uh, there's actually two messages that I feel like I'm supposed to uh, share. And the first one is about this uh, long protract protracted 
progression that we have been in as the body of Christ. And I'm going to share a lot personally today. I just really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share some of my own journey, uh, which leads me even into the second uh, word that I want to share. Uh, for those who follow me, my latest blog, uh, the word uh, a child shall lead them. There's just something very, uh, very strategic that I feel like the Lord wants me to share at the end. Um, that's going to be giving this whole awakening a whole different look and a different perspective than maybe what we've seen before. And I believe that there's even going to be some impartation uh, of faith for, for people for the days ahead. So in terms of this first part, uh, you know, the title, it's not just a new season, but a new kingdom age. I mean, those aren't new terms, okay? And there's been others talking about this kingdom age. Well, what is that? And I know in my own journey, uh, that term came up years ago, and I didn't even fully know what it meant. But even as the Lord, you know, called me and commissioned me specifically as a prophet to the church, uh, what I found is, uh, number one, through the dreams that he gave of just unpacking what this is going to look like, that this is this is where we're headed. And for me, this is why, even in what I share, it's not focused on, uh, you know, tribulation, hard times, that's always a part of transition, okay? Because whenever right. you change or go through transition, it's not easy. But yet everything that he has shown me for the last 20 years has been into this totally new era that we've never experienced before. And I believe it is, it is a kingdom age. Now, what I want to share is a little bit in terms of what I have noticed personally in all the changes, because I'm not the only one that's talking about transition, okay, and change. I mean, everything has been upended, especially in the last two years. And we know that changes are coming. We're praying that changes are going to come, uh, even those things that we don't see right now. But what I realized and what the Lord showed me is getting a little bit uh, bigger perspective in, in terms of going from a, a season of intercession as the body of Christ into a season of what I would call prophetic pronouncement or declaration, and then into a season of apostolic building and administration. Because this is where we're headed. We are going into a time of major rebuilding, establishing foundations, uh, administering the harvest that's coming, okay? And so the reason that this is important to know is, is he's calling up uh, the new builders, uh, a whole new breed of leaders that's going to be needed for where we're headed. Now, the way that the Lord showed this to me, because I'm the, the reason I want to share this personally is because I know that there are some out there that you're going to be able to relate to this uh, in terms of how the Lord has been speaking to you. Because years ago, you know, when the Lord first called me, uh, you know, as a prophet to the church, he spoke a lot through dreams, but my, my call was primarily an intercession. I've been, you know, I've been in prayer all my life. I've always been behind the scenes, you know, just praying. Uh, and in those early years, that was, it was a call on my life. And, and I do tell people intercession is a call. Uh, we're all called to pray, of course, but there is that call of intercession where you just give yourself to prayer and everything that the Lord gives you, you know, that is your place as a watchman uh, to pray. And so uh, for years, that is what uh, the Lord's mantle was. And you know, if you know the story of Ezekiel in terms of a, a prophetic charge, Ezekiel was told by the Lord, I don't want you just to speak the message, but you are the message. Mm -hmm. This is important because as prophets, when one is called as a prophet, 
many times we live the word before we even speak it. I mean, we, we experience it. And this has been true in my case. And, and I've seen it. I can, I can see the pattern through 20, 25, 30 years of this you know, walk with the Lord that what he is doing in my life uh, because of the call that I experience it first and that from that place of experience, it actually gives me empathy. It gives me understanding. He takes me into those places where I can see the pitfalls of where you know we're going to go and then to come back and share. I actually recently said, it's kind of like being a scout. That's how I have felt personally, even in the spirit. I'm already living in the future. My spirit is already there. Not that I've been translated, but my spirit is already where we're going. And, and so I've seen this happen and prove itself out time and time again. So basically my call to intercession, this was a season in the church, I'm going to say up until 2016, when we saw that Cyrus breakthrough with President Trump uh, being elected. All those years of praying, intercession, uh, that was the call. And I believe that in 2016, the Lord was answering those prayers. And of course, you know, we've seen so much even between 2016, 2020, so many prayers answered. And, and so that was huge. But what happened was that in 2016, then I had a dream that was very major for me personally, because in the dream, uh, I was surrounded by angels and they were doing a surgery on me. And in the dream, they were cutting off my left arm, but it was nothing scary. I didn't feel frightened. And they were basically saying, Wanda, don't worry. This is, it's, it's going to be okay. It's needed. And so I just knew, okay, it's okay. But when I woke up, I, I knew the Lord was alerting me. And I said, Lord, what is it that you're going to cut off my life that's so significant? It's going to feel like you cut off my left arm. And it wasn't until about three months uh, later that I understood because I was beginning to feel the shift. He said, Wanda, I'm lifting the call of intercession from your life because now is the season coming out from that place of praying it. You need to write it and you need to speak it. And there really was a shift from the intercessory component, not that I stopped praying, but that right. the focus was on this prophetic charge uh, to the body of Christ. And this is what we have seen happen, even you know, within the body of Christ these last, especially two years, how important the prophets have been. Because when you're in a time of darkness and where there's a lot going on, that's when you need that prophetic revelation to help people know this is where we're going. This is what the Lord has said. We need to keep pressing in. And so this, mm -hmm. this is what has been happening. And um, so through that, obviously, even in my own life, there was this shift because I, I was even with Intercessors for America uh, with, for 10 years. I was on staff for five years. And, and there was a shift then from that national platform to then when I began to write and speak and then even here with Elijah List. I mean, it was just a sovereign work of grace that I knew was not just personal, but this was what he was doing with the whole body of Christ. And so as we have been walking through now this time of prophetic declaration, all our prayers going forth, there's now another transition that we are going through. And I believe it's because the Lord has heard our prayers, the decrees have gone out, but now he's taking us and he's preparing us for this apostolic time. And the interesting thing was uh, a number of weeks ago, one of my intercessors, she had a dream and she didn't know it, but her dream was I was not on an operating table and I was surrounded by angels. Wow. They were doing a surgery on me, starting from my head, scanning my whole body. And at the, at the bottom of my feet, she saw wires coming out mm -hmm. uh, and then intercessors around me. 
And she had asked the, she asked in the dream, what are you doing? Asking the angels. And they said, we're getting you ready for what's coming. Now, when she shared that dream with me, I was immediately taken back to that other dream. And I knew that the Lord was saying major transition ahead. And even the wires coming out of my feet, I knew he was rewiring me, preparing me, preparing us for where he was going to send us, because that's why it was in the feet. And this is where he's taking us now into this time of apostolic administration and building. And I'm seeing that even in my own life. Uh, mm -hmm. And as I've been sharing this, I've been getting responses from others who are saying, man, the same thing's been happening to me. I believe that the Lord has heard our prayers and and he's already determined the outcome. You know, as we say, God wins. We know the end of the story, even in terms of what we've been praying for, it, it's settled. And so this is where my spirit, I've noticed in the last three to four months, there's been a huge shift in terms of prophetic intel for me. Mm. It has shifted now. My heart is being much more drawn to the administration of where we're headed. And it's it's this scouting. You know, sometimes you send scouts ahead uh -huh. to tell people, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what you got to be ready for. Sometimes you send a scout ahead to, to build camp, you know, to prepare people. That's just the role that God has uh, for me right now. And as I've been sharing with others, you know, they can identify with this because it's even affected, Kelsey, my perspective on how I see things on social media, how I'm viewing the church, how I'm viewing leadership. I've been finding myself, in some ways, I'll be honest, being frustrated and, mm -hmm. and just doing things I hadn't seen before. And so when I asked the Lord, what is happening? He's saying, I'm giving you different eyes. You need to see things the way the world sees them. You need to see things the way that others outside your familiar circles see them. And this is another part of the transitions. I've been saying it for a while. We're leaving familiar places. That's hard for some people. But because of the massive changes that are coming, we've got to recognize those familiar things that we're hanging on to for security, for comfort. And he's saying, you've got to let go. And again, I've experienced this very personally because uh, you know, I just got a new website, okay? And I'm, I've got a new book. And he's purposely taking me through these things. I'm having to learn things from scratch again. I'm having to re, retool myself because of where he's taking me. It's not easy, okay? And I say that because some of you, again, you know this is a part of call, a call on your life as a leader, as a pioneer, as an administrator. These are the things that he's pulling on right now. And, and he's saying, listen, it's okay. I'm, I'm gonna give you grace you know, for the changes. This is where we're headed because you are needed for where we're gonna land, okay? Um, and so one of the, the scriptures that I wanted to bring out in this, and I, I think Emily has it to pull up, is Isaiah 58, because this really kind of describes this progression um, of where we've been and, and where we're going. Because in Isaiah 58, 1, the first five verses here, uh, it starts out, yeah, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. And then it goes on, day after day, they seek me out. Uh, he's talking about how we're praying, okay? And he's calling them to pray. Well, this was the, the, the initial call to the body of Christ, you know, 10 years ago, at, well, before then, obviously, 
of praying rightly. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button. And then you go on, though, pick up at verse 6, and it says, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? Uh, to loose the chains of injustice. This is where we've been at, and especially in the last two years. What have we been doing through the, the prophetic ministry? We've been trying to awaken people. Listen, do you see the chains of injustice uh, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? This is what we have been called to. And this is what we've been prophesying, declaring, okay? And so you go on down through that chapter. But then in verse 11, this is the promise, and this is where he's taking us. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. It will be like a well-watered garden. Okay, verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. This is our call. This is what we are being called to do, is rebuilding. We have been shaken to the core. I mean, a storm like what Florida is experiencing. All the foundations are taken out, washed away. We know that's a good thing because God's, well, not in the hurricane, obviously, but in terms of spiritually, we're reestablishing truth. What's true? What's good? Not only, you know, for our nation, constitutionally, legally, but Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. Who are we? Why did we miss this? Where have we been? God is reestablishing leaders. He's reestablishing the ecclesia. Church, as we have known it, is a thing of the past. You know, I've even said we're going from the church age to the kingdom age. Now, theologically, you could dig a little deeper in that. But really, the focus is the kingdom of God is going to come and manifest itself. I mean, it is here. And so it's taking a different kind of administration. We know yeah. that in the natural. What have we been talking about? Our administ- We need a new administration. We need the same thing in the body of Christ. And so this is where uh, the Lord is calling us to that. And I want to share one more thing, one more dream, and then I'd, I'd welcome your, your feedback, uh, Kelsey. I had a dream, uh, another word shared in 2017 that confirms this about being rebuilt. And this was from, through a prophetic voice. He was prophesying to me. But again, I knew that when he was prophesying to me, it was to the body of Christ. Because he said, you're in a rebuilding process. There's a three-year window of time. Okay, now understand, this was given in 2017, 2020. A three-year window of time is going to be great favor with the military. You need to number your days. But as you cross over this threshold, you're going to say, rebuilt, I stand. This is just a picture of what has been happening is that as we have been in this, we were in this window of time up until 2020, you know, and that everything breaks loose. What's happening is things are being unearthed, you know, down to the roots of our foundation in order to reestablish, rebuild what God has always intended. But the promise in this, and this can get very personal, which is going to be encouraging. If anyone has felt this way, you know, your, your foundations have been shaken to the core, okay? And, and you're wondering, how do I stand? He said the picture that he saw was that the Lord is taking like this beautiful old car, like a classic, and he's putting it in this, a brand new engine. 
this rebuilt engine that's going to be able to go much faster than what the car even looks like. Internally, you would never guess that this thing has this V8 engine that's going on nitro. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We are about to go on nitro <laughs> as the body of Christ, as believers in Christ, after all this stuff that we've been through. And I believe even the things in the past, the body of Christ, uh, obviously there's foundations that we want to keep. I'm not saying that we throw out everything. Okay. There, there's truth. I mean, doctrine, the word of God is there, but this rebuilding that he's doing, we're going to stand. And we're going to be so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What he's going to call us to do in the days ahead is going to happen much faster, much quicker. It's going to go further. It's going to go deeper because it's not going to be just by our, even by our gifting. There's going to be a level of Holy Spirit activity and involvement. It's literally going to shoot us forward. And this is why he wants us to be prepared to join in and those that want to be a part of it. So. I'll stop there for a minute. <laughs> well, the a couple things I wanted to ask, because I know for a lot of us, we hear words like, um, you know, apostolic building and apostolic advancement. And we're like, what does that mean? We, we deep down don't un really understand what that means. So when yeah. you say apostolic building, is that something that only people who are called by the Lord Jesus Christ to be apostles? can do or is that for the body or how can the body participate right and it's both and i mean i've i'm do a lot of teaching on this so I try to give a, a quick short answer here something that i've noted is uh, the whole teaching of apostles and prophets uh needs to be revamped in the body of christ because we don't know what that looks like especially at the local level uh our picture of even apostles and prophets have been mega church or platform ministers. We don't know what that looks like practically. And the, the call of a, an apostle is basically that of a builder, of one that sees the vision, that's a team builder, that knows how to delegate, that, that can uh, really have that grace of the Lord to establish things long-term. Apostles and prophets were always meant to work together. And obviously we're just coming out of this major season of the focus on the prophets. But this is what I'm saying. There's, there's going to be much more emphasis on the apostolic, this desire to build. Now, we can be apostolic. You know, there are those that are called to a fivefold call as apostles, not only in the church, but the, these gifts go outside the church. I mean, they should be touching every mountain of our culture. But there, again, in the, in the church, we should be modeling this of an apostle is that one, that leader who can mobilize everyone else. I mean, we're in a leadership crisis. All around. And even authority has been so undermined and so abused. There's such a bad taste of authority. I mean, I see this in the secular uh, world as well. I see God working on so many intellectuals, scientific people, uh, truth tellers. You know, we see it in the patriot community. So many people who are wanting to know the truth and they, they, they're looking at these systems. You know, what is happening? Uh, but they just haven't had a revelation of God yet. <clears throat> but there's there's this desire to build and to see, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way of doing these things. And so this is where uh, to be apostolic is that heart, that desire. Uh, 
And we need to start in the church of really putting the apostles and prophets, those who are wired that way, who see that. I believe even in terms of the supernatural, you know, one of the marks of the apostle in scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, it says the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. We've, we've put so much of that on the prophets. But scripturally, apostles should be operating. That should be following those who are really called is legitimate signs, wonders, mighty works of God. This is what we need to pray for and look for because God wants to, to have this manifest and be seen on a much larger scale. Number one, we, we've got to earn back the trust of people. Uh, even in the church, people have lost faith in, in the church uh, because of leadership issues. And unfortunately, because some of the exposures that are going to come, uh, we're going to have to work through this. And this is why the Lord is calling up and calling out many who have been quietly waiting in the background. You know, they've got that call of David on them. You know, they're yeah. humble in heart, but they know they've been called to lead, to make a difference. And the Lord's going to be drawing them out into those places of influence and impact to lead the way. Because bottom line, you need good leaders and we need them in the body of Christ. This is part of my passion is to see righteous, godly leadership all around. And it takes time to build that. So, you know, th this is going to be a, a, a part of, you know, of the, of the Appa, apostolic call and even leadership. And, and just to give you an example of that. Kelsey, of the, the joy of what the Lord is preparing. Part of this change that I've been going through is I know, you know, I grew up in the church. Uh, you know, the church is kind of the world that I live in, but I found it has become an echo chamber. And wow. the Lord's really pushing me out, you know, even in terms of how I'm seeing things. And so he's, he's granted me favor. I mean, it's just a thing of the Lord. He's granted me favor with people outside the charismatic realms, outside even evangelical Christianity. And I'm just kind of like, Really, God? An example of this is uh, in the Patriot community. If you've heard of Patel Patriot, I know Steve has interviewed uh, Patel Patriot. Uh, uh, and, and a lot of people that he associates with, Patrick Gunnell, he's another uh, Patriot. If you're on Telegram, these names might be more familiar. But these are the truth tellers. These are the ones that, you know, even with, with QAnon, uh, you know, they've been looking for justice and what's happening behind the scenes and all of this. Long story short, uh, the Lord just granted me favor with them. They started posting my stuff. Patrick Gunnell started reading my blogs on his channel where he shares, you know, all these other things from secular places. Bottom line, they invited me to be a speaker at their Thread Fest in Texas in November, uh, along with all these other people. This is not a church event, okay? Uh, these are not evangelical Christians. A lot of them actually are from Catholic background, all kinds mm -hmm. of background. And I was like, Wow. And I knew this was a taste, but it, it went even further. And this shows the hunger, okay, of those who are outside our familiar, you know, circles of influence that are looking for leaders in the church. Uh, I was only scheduled to speak one time at this event in, in Texas. So I was trying to figure out, you know, should I go for the whole thing? You know, just be there for the day I'm to speak. So I, I reached out to the organizer she got back with me and she said, no, Wanda, we want you to be there the whole time. We want you to be the spiritual leader. Oh, wow. I was floored. Um, and I thought, boy, okay. If, if that's what a chance of, to preach the gospel. 
Well, exactly. I mean, because they're so hungry, you know, they've been crying out for truth. They don't know they're crying out for Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Right. Okay. Um, and so this is incredible. And so I guarantee you, this is what we're going to be seeing more and more, these kinds of invitations, because there's such a hunger. They're seeing the pieces of it, but they, they're missing the God factor, that supernatural, you know, where it all converges, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, you know, into the realities that we know as spirit-filled believers. And so to me, it's very exciting about a harvest ahead. The Lord's already sending some out, giving favor. So just be open you know, to where the Lord might want to take you and be ready. It's going to take some new retooling, some new perspectives. Uh, but the harvest is already there. Yes. And when we, I want to shift back to the apostolic, because I know you talked about, we're not, uh, the signs of an apostle according to scripture is, you know, signs, wonders, mighty deeds, perseverance. And so why do you think that we're not seeing that manifest? That's a good question. I don't know if I have the full answer for it. Um, I think we're in a leadership crisis. I think because of the um, cleanup work that the Holy Spirit's doing, I, I think there's been a lot of stuff in the way. It's not been that that there aren't those that are walking in it, but we're going through a lot of cleaning up of things. And I think that's what is coming. I think there's also a faith level. Um, and even the way in which the Lord is going to move into work, which kind of is going to take us into the, to the second part of, of what I wanted to share, what the Lord is preparing us for supernaturally. Because this is a, a sovereign, supernatural work of the Spirit. There's the ground level uh, awakening that's happening in terms of information things to be revealed, things to be exposed. But then there's the whole spiritual awakening to what Holy Spirit has really been doing. And I, I kind of believe it's it's almost like that. Well, yeah, the calm before the storm. Um, Holy Spirit kind of putting us on pause in some ways because the kinds of manifestations, even signs, wonders, mighty works, they're going to be on such a different scale. Uh, he's preparing us for that. Because we have to have the faith to receive them. Perhaps we haven't had the eyes to even see it, to recognize it, mm. you, know, you know, when it happens, because some of these things are not happening in the church. Some of these things, you know, are happening where we're not going. And perhaps, actually, that's just coming to me now, is that perhaps we've been so much in our own little circle in our, well, I have to be careful, because praise God for revival meetings, but understand it in the context of what I'm saying. He wants us to get outside into other places. You know, I was just this past weekend in York, Pennsylvania at a meeting and, and my dear friend that came with me, we ministered and it was powerful. And she said on the way back, she said, why is it that I have to go out somewhere? And then all the, it, it seems like the things of the spirit just seem to multiply. Things happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this might be part of the answer, you know, is that we've got to be willing to get outside of our comfort zone. Uh, this is what the Lord is shaking up. He's, he's moving and he wants to move in much greater degree, but we've got to be willing to go. We've got to be willing to get uncomfortable, you yes. know, and to, to relate to people that maybe we haven't known how to relate to before. I mean, thank God it, it keeps us fresh, keeps us updated, you know, cause it's, it's got to depend upon the Holy spirit, not upon our experience, 
or, you know, whatever, it, yes. this has to be a work of the spirit. And I keep thinking of Mark 16, 17, where it says, signs and wonders follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything poison, it shall not harm them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and see them healed. So it's the Lord is really for those who believe. And then the Bible says also the faith, a size of a mustard seed. It's like, well, Lord, that's not a lot. So yeah. what? Is, where's the disconnect? And I think, well, where is ahead. the disconnect? Well, that just segues right into the, the next thing that I wanted to share um, in terms of the supernatural awakening that's coming. We've been talking a lot about a big awakening. I mean, the New Agers are talking about a new level of consciousness, an awakening oh, wow. that's coming. Everyone's talking about it. What does that really mean? Well, I had an encounter last Monday that uh, it's been months since I've had an encounter like that. And it got me in touch with an aspect that I hadn't considered before. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll point out a, a scripture verse first. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's not just the glory of the Lord that's going to cover right. the earth. It's the knowledge right. of the glory of the Lord. I believe there's two levels of this. And, and actually, the, the way that the Lord uh, showed it to me just a few days ago, he said, we're going from knowledge to knowing. And those are two different things. Knowledge is going to be a part of, I believe, some of the, the exposures, what's been going on behind the scenes, what really has been happening with the military, with President Trump, with all these, uh, and a lot of the, you know, the corruption, all that. That's information. That's knowledge. But the knowing that is revelation. It's not just information. There is revelation and it can only happen by the spirit of God. Now, let me just set this up of what happened last Monday. I was in the midst of, you know, processing all of the stuff that was going on, you know, through my whole journey, I've always felt this tension between the natural and the spiritual, you know, trying to, trying to maneuver things here, but uh, always feeling drawn to this other realm you know, where I know the spirit is and those things that we all long for and hunger for and, and really feeling this disconnect and almost feeling frustrated with myself. You know, have I failed here? You know, what do I do with this? And I'm sitting at my desk at my computer, uh, just pondering all this. And all of a sudden I, I hear a voice and he says, you don't come from here. And it was like, Jesus just walked in the room. It was so strong. And just stood right behind me and spoke this into my ear as a reminder, Wanda, you don't come from here. This is not where you really belong. I knew what he was saying in my spirit. It was a reminder of that realm from which we came. God is spirit and we are made in his image. We are spirit. And there is this longing within each one of us to draw from that place. And as he spoke that, all of a sudden he took me back to the very first time when I had that revelation of who I was and who he was, it was when I was about six, seven years old, a little girl. It was a beautiful summer day. And I was laying out on the grass, looking up at the sky. It was a clear sky, clouds overhead. And I mean, every time I think about it, it's like I'm still there. And I looked up at the clouds and there was just this epiphany, all knowing like, 
that's where I come from. That's where I belong. It was a revelation of creator father that he who created the massive sky, he created me and we're knit together. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button to become a partner today. And something marked me that day. You know, Ecclesiastes says that he put eternity in our hearts. And that's when I felt like eternity was put in my heart. There was a sense of, I am from a different place. This is temporary. And the reason that's important is because as a child, there were no adult thoughts, questions, debates going on. It was the simple, pure faith that said, he's God. He can do anything. Anything is possible. You know, eternity was opened up to me. And it was this realization, you know, that just really struck me last Monday. And so when he spoke these words, you know, you don't pull, you, you don't come from here. You know, I just began to ponder that more and more. Okay. What does that look like here? Realizing, cause we started talking, we had this little inner conversation then of, okay, what's that going to look like then? And, and he began to share more about his plans, you know, of bringing that realm here. It's not so much having heavenly visitations there, but him looking for a place to rest his feet, to place his head, you know, of, of wanting us to be conduits of that. And I want to read just a little bit, because this is a blog that I put out uh, last week then, and, and I wrote a portion of this. And I just wanted to read some of this process, uh, because as I was talking this whole time with the Lord, at some point in this intimate conversation, I suddenly realized who he's been speaking to. He's not been speaking to the adult at the desk, my mature and grown-up self that has gained a semblance of understanding through years of trials and testings. No, he's been speaking to that child within. Somehow he reached right into my spirit and he drew out that six-year-old girl and reminded her of those first moments of revelation and pure faith in him. Those moments when all became possible and nothing was greater than his overriding presence and power. He reminds me of the child within that holds the key to apprehending the treasures of heaven. And if you remember in Matthew 18, it says at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that's when I realized that the message that he was sending, not just to me, but to all of us who have been yearning for this deliverance from this counterfeit matrix that we're in, it's that simple childlike faith that can overcome the world. What have we been battling in the spirit, the principalities of Leviathan, the king of pride? What is going to counter that? Could it be that simple, pure faith of a child that the Lord is calling up to remind us of who he is as God? And this is where I begin to understand, you know, as we talk about the harvest and people that we want to draw to the Lord and how that is shared. You know, we've always put the focus on, on Jesus, rightly so. And even when we're trying to uh, 
uh, help to determine whether or not someone is is really of God. You know, well, what do they think about Jesus? And so I've been I've been watching, especially in the secular realm, as these intellectuals, uh, you know, some like a Jordan Peterson, who you know is grappling with who God is, and they'll talk about Jesus. I mean, some of them freely, you know, about who Jesus was, uh, whatever. But what they're missing is they can't embrace Jesus until they fully embrace the one true God. That's missing because in, unless you settle that he alone is God, you won't recognize his son because Jesus is God. And that's when I realized that's a missing piece in the awakening that I believe that we're going to experience is an awakening of that child within to understand, to have that revelation that he is God. I believe that after all these exposures, all this is going to come. This is what's going to be shaken. Because what's the question that even non-Christians are asking? How can there be a loving God with all this mm -hmm. happening? That's going to be asked, okay, when all the trafficking, the, the dark, dark stuff that's been happening. This is what people are going to ask. How can a loving God do this? This, I believe, is where the awakening is going to happen. It's going to be a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be this simple, getting all the arguments out of the way, a recognition of who our Creator Father is and that He is good. He is altogether good. Even in the midst of unspeakable evil, He is good. And I believe it's that awakening to who He is as God that's actually going to then pave the way for the gospel to be shared. Because then people will recognize Jesus. He is God. He is alive. He wasn't just a figure in history. No, he is God. Yes. And I believe that, that that's going to be huge, Kelsey. I mean, mm -hmm. as the Lord was you know, showing this to me, I actually saw visions of auditoriums filled with children, but not children biologically, adults that the Holy Spirit was touching to draw out this childlike faith. Wow. Faith is what overcomes the world. And so many of us who have been grappling with unbelief, with questions, with doubts, with anxieties and fears, we've let all the world stuff and all the demonic stuff and the lies come in on top of what Holy Spirit wants to reveal is that that faith, God is good. My father is good. And I can trust him because that's what it's going to take. You know, just that absolute trust in God. The king of pride will have no choice but to bow in, in the presence of such pure and simple faith in a child. And, you know, I ministered this word this last weekend um, at a leadership conference, which in itself was, was a prophetic sign because, you know, I usually do prophetic teachings or, or whatever. This is a leadership conference. And I knew the Lord was saying, this is the shift that you're going to see. Mm. And as I began to minister Holy Spirit just fell in that place. And, and it was like all these little kids were starting to come out. And there was healing happening, healing from questions and, and all these hurts that the Lord began to heal. And I knew even then as I was ministering, I believe this is why we're going to see such sudden transformation in people's lives, even the prodigals. It's going to be a moment when this revelation hits that he is God and I can trust him. It's like a light is going to turn on in the room because the enemy's tried to keep us in this, in this dark. He's been keeping us in the dark. 
Holy Spirit's going to flip on a switch. But this is a revelation of Holy Spirit in those who have been lost in that quagmire of darkness and what am I going to do and who is God? You can have that revelation. He is God. I can trust him. And, and that, that childlike faith is just going to displace everything else. I, I think it's going to be incredible. Yes, it sounds amazing. I mean, your spirit bears witness when you hear it. And, you know, the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. It's seeing his goodness in our lives, the testimony of his faithfulness in our lives. And I think all of us, if we all could just think of when we came to Jesus, and if we all just meditate on that and what what life was like when we first came to Jesus Christ, I mean, the sky was so blue, like you, you could just witness to anyone because you were so full of what he's done for you and what he saved you from, how he's changed your life, how he's healed you, how he's washed you clean in his blood. I mean, that it does make you childlike because it makes you innocent again. I mean, mm-hmm. his blood purifies you and washes you clean. It's incredible. And I know you want to pray for people that you know, that they would receive this childlike faith. Yeah. And, you know, the other part, Kelsey, is that even as I was ministering uh, this last weekend, about half of them, um, because the call was, first of all, to remember, because I believe that there are many who, who did have, I mean, even if you think about it now, what was that first moment when you knew there's a God and he loves me? It's, it's that remembering of that pure faith, you know, to, to bring out. But there are also those that maybe didn't have that experience. You know, some may just have made that decision for the Lord just by faith. They didn't have any encounter, any feeling of that. The Lord wants to visit that and to actually meet them as a child. And again, you know, this is the whole upside down kingdom. In everything that we've been trying to battle in the natural all this, you know, because it's pride. It's the corruption uh, and, you know, the leadership issues. It is being willing to be vulnerable. I mean, this is something I've, I've had to just reckon with, uh, you know, years ago because of what the Lord, because I've gone through a lot of inner healing myself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are longing for authentic leaders. <laughs> just yeah. be real. And, you know, we've all messed up. We've all got questions. We've all been hurt. You know, and we're all longing for that connection with a father that loves us and accepts us. We talk about the fatherless generation. This is what the Lord, this is who the Lord wants to bring healing to. And it's not just, you know, a biological generation. It's anyone who has felt those, those holes. They've just never been filled up to that, that place of really knowing. And so this is what I want to pray for is just for those who are longing for that. And then, then we can even pray for, for those that we're, we're praying for in that way. Mm-hmm. So Father, I just, I pray for those who are desiring this connection with you, this pure and simple faith. Lord, I believe even as I have been ministering and speaking that you have been doing a work, perhaps even recalling in people's hearts and minds, that first revelation of who you are as God, as one that they can trust. Lord, that they have absolute confidence that you are able and that you are good. And Lord, I bless that connection right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that that simple childlike faith would just begin to increase and grow because it's going to actually enlarge our capacity. 
Lord, I pray for an enlarged capacity to believe, to have faith, not have faith for things, but it's a faith in knowing you, a settledness that you have got this, that you are good and that you have good things planned for us. And Lord, for those that have not had that initial encounter, Lord, I just pray just even healing and that you would draw even now, speak to the child within, speak to that little boy, that little girl that's maybe locked themselves away in a different room because they didn't know how to process things. They didn't know how to process the pain and the disappointment. Father, I pray that you would just go knock on that door, that they would open that up and let you come in to minister to that child and that you would so cover them with your love, with your presence, Lord, that they would just be so assured that they are protected and covered by you, even in the midst of feeling abandoned, rejected, all the pain, Lord, that might've been built up through the years. Father, I pray even just in a moment that your presence would overwhelm them with comfort, with assurance in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that even as we ponder, Lord, what you're speaking to us about this revelation of who you are as God, Lord, we pray for those prodigals. We pray for those out in the world who are looking, they're searching, they're searching for truth. They don't even know they're looking for Jesus, but that's what they've even said by the by their own lips that they're looking for truth. Father, we pray for divine encounters, but first it's just you as Papa God and that they would know that you're good and that you love them and that it would be a revelation by the Spirit by which they can then say yes to Jesus and that, Lord, they get the whole package, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that they would know the fullness, Lord, of your kingdom. And so, Lord, I just pray that blessing, that grace on those who are listening and the ability to receive, Lord, just who you are. And God, even just as we uh, look to the days ahead, the other thing I, I just sent is to call out those leaders, the pioneers, other scouts, those of you who are being called outside of familiar places. He is calling some of you outside of familiar places, even assignments that you thought that you were going to retire in, that you're done. He is calling you out. You're not done. And I just release a faith to believe that he's going to establish your steps. You're going to see it. You're going to know it. And a grace to learn new things, to be retooled, to have new eyes, to have new ears, and that it will bring joy to your heart where before you may have thought, Lord, how can I do that? Me there with them? Lord, I pray such a faith to arise that they would be excited about this journey, this exciting adventure that you're inviting us on. And so, Lord, I just release that grace over all who are listening, that the days ahead would be filled with joy as to what you are building and establishing. Lord, thank you for making us a part of it. We want to join in that. And we will give you glory, Lord, as we testify about it in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. And I also feel like for the prodigals um, who maybe you have prodigals or even you're a prodigal watching is the Lord wants to give you a fresh revelation of the cross where you see Jesus on the cross and you see the beauty of what he has done for you on the cross and, and all of your sins being washed completely clean, that the Lord would release new slates by the blood of the lamb. And so, Father, I pray over the generation of the prodigals that they would get a revelation of what you have done for them, Lord. 
that when they read your holy word, God, it would be alive to them. Lord, when they read that you sweated drops of blood in the garden, Lord, when you were beat and tattered for our bodies, you took everything, Jesus, upon yourself so we could be free, completely free from the kingdom of darkness, completely free from sin. Lord, I pray that they catch a revelation of what you have done for them, Lord, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, we speak freedom to the prodigals, God, right now from the kingdom of darkness. Lord, we pray that would come upon them, that they would see Jesus. And when they lock eyes with Jesus, they see they're fully loved, fully accepted, and that God has a plan and purpose for their life. Lord, we just agree right now with every mother and father mm -hmm. of their children for your perfect will to be done in their lives. God, we pray right now in agreement that there is books written about them. Lord, we agree with what you've written about each and every single child. We agree with what you've written about us. We agree, Lord, and we ask your will to be done in this time. Lord, let us catch a deeper revelation of all your son has done for us. Lord, that we can be humble and childlike because we know that Jesus has paid the ultimate price. And Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Mm -hmm. Amen. And Wanda, I know you have a brand new book that you want to share with us and also a brand new website. Woo, that, that looks awesome, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, first of all, before what, well, but I did want to just say that the, the thread, thread fest that I mentioned, the gathering in Texas, I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to, to put this out here. Um, it would be great to have some other spirit-filled believers join me there. If you go on my website, the information will be there. It's in November. It's not cheap. I'll tell you that. But for anyone that feels called to the harvest field, you might want to check that out. So, um, but yes, my new book, you can put the cover back up there. Words to Pray By, I actually have the, the proof copy here. This is a thick book. This is going to be uh, released in just a few weeks. It is a prayer concordance. It is divided into 42 different topics wow. from Old Testament to New Testament, scriptures. If, if we want to pray God's will, it says in 1 John, if we pray according to his will, he will answer us. And so this is a discipleship tool where you're going to be able to buy topic, go in and read every scripture about that topic. And then after every scripture verse, I have a personalized prayer. Oh, wow. It's a book of teaching you how to pray the word. And so this is, it's just very powerful. Um, it's available. That's, that's the cover, but I'm also giving a, a free preview of that for those who uh, subscribe to my website. It's like 16 pages of a PDF. You'll get a taste of it, of uh, what the book is going to be. So, which brings me then to my new website. Uh, WandaAlger.me, whole new layout. I've got a topical study that's basically an online library divided into topics. I've got video playlists on different issues, gifts of the spirit, inner healing and deliverance, last days, all this kind of thing. Uh, you can go there. The events are there uh, to find. And so if you subscribe to WandaAlger.me, you'll get this uh, free preview of the book. And then you'll also be the first to find out. I'm going to start taking pre-orders next week. And so it's going to be a special deal offered uh, to those. So uh, subscribe there. I'm really excited about it because we are headed into a season of discipleship. Because of the harvest, I really felt like the Lord uh, charged me to write this 
because so many people, especially the next generation, they don't know the word of God. And I get one of the most amazing emails I got recently was from a grandma, actually, who wrote me and said, I just came back to the Lord, but I don't know how to pray scripture to, you know, what's a book. And so um, I'm really excited about this because it's going to be something that's very user friendly and needed. So, yes, very needed. So good. Anytime we can never get too full of the word, you know, we have to be instant in season out of season. The word of God is so powerful. So Wanda, thank you so much for being on with us today. You shared so much uh, insight in, in what the Lord wants to do. And I think you helped a lot of people understand, you know, uh, the apostolic, you know, because we hear a lot about the apostolic coming and you you help break that down to understand what does that mean and what and what what is God's view on that. So thanks so much for okay. being with us. We it love was a you. joy. And it, oh, well, thank you. Well, and, you know, for, again, if people have questions, I've got a lot more information, you know, on my website. I mean, and there's a lot of free stuff. Okay. Uh, We're going to be talking about it more in the days ahead. So it's been great, Kelsey. So check her out there. Her website is right next to her name. You can go click on that. Click on the link below. Uh, Tomorrow, I will be on with Nathan French. It's going to be an incredible day tomorrow. And don't forget that as soon as we sign off here, please head over to American Warriors and uh, check out that brand new video that just launched. Subscribe, like it, share that video. We love you guys so much and we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, God bless. In my family, uh, because of the the background of immigrants, uh, everyone was gonna get an education. And then uh, an advanced degree was really preferred. So I was the second oldest of, uh, I think it was like 30 grandchildren. My sister was older than me. She went to medical school right out of high school. So I wasn't quite in that league academically, so I went to college. Uh, but I knew I was going to go to graduate school one way or another, so law school is where I ended up going. Uh, I got to law school. Um, wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I wasn't going to quit. I ran into a Marine recruiter, and uh, intuitively I understood it was kind of something I was looking for. Uh, so I never was really tested. I played sports and all this stuff, but I mean, come on you know, compared to what other people deal with. And so uh, somehow I found the Marine Corps, total luck, like I said. And it gave me an opportunity to prove to myself whether or not I could hang and then earn the respect of Marines who could care less what college I went to or what degree I had. Um, and for me personally, that's been the juice. And so uh, I ended up going to Quantico for Officers Candidate School and uh, became a commissioned officer. Because I was already a college graduate, they sent me back to finish my last year of law school. I did. I went to Quantico. I decided what I really wanted to do was be an infantry officer, so I dropped my law contract, ended up as an infantry officer, did uh, a full tour uh, as an infantry officer. I'd already passed the bar exam, so I did a second tour as what's called a judge advocate, and then I got out. And, And also, the day I got out, I joined the reserves. And I thought I was going to do that for a little while until I got out of my system. I had a young family, two young children and a wife who was about to get out. Um, The the month of September 2001, I was considering, I'm probably done now. 9-11 happened and I spent seven of the next 10 years going around the globe. I crossed the border with a group called Task Force Tarawa, a regimental combat team too. We ended up in the Battle of Nazaria. Um, kept attacking north into a place called Al-Kut, then got pulled into southern Baghdad, 
and stayed there a little bit longer than the rest of the Marines who were deployed. And we got into the very early days of the insurgency uh, south of Baghdad in places like Yusufia, Mamadiyya, Latifiyya. Later became known as the Triangle of Death and then up against the edge of a town called Fallujah. In the summer of 2003, like, you know, nobody knew what an IED was. We got some training, from, I remember we got some training from some Brits in Kuwait before we crossed the border and there was something about improvised explosives. But we'd been trained in improvised explosives already. Like we, part of our training curricula as a Marine infantry officer is you get an improvised explosive, you learn how to make bombs and things, you know. So uh, I thought, well, this is kind of a refresher. I'm not really sure why we will need this. But we didn't understand. It wasn't part of our, our paradigm for what was going to happen. And I distinctly remember in the summer of 2003 when the IEDs started showing up. Whoa! <laughs> there were these things called ASPs, ammunition supply points, that started to get looted. And we sent patrols into those. Uh, and at first, it was, we thought it was part of the widespread looting. And then very quickly, what we realized, it was organized. And we started doing a number of raids and ambushes and things. Some of the sensitive site exploitation we got afterwards was our own special forces pamphlets on how to organize cells and things like that. So, so my task force, Task Force Scorpion, I remember, distinctly remember one night writing uh, an assessment after a series of raids. Uh, this is organized. This is an insurgency. And I got blistered for it. I was a reservist, you know, and this thing comes in at two in the morning and like, what are you talking about, uh, insurgency? And it's like, hey, I'm just telling you what we're seeing. And I spent the rest of that summer with this very aggressive task force who were kind of on the chase. When we left, um, we knew it was just starting. Like my little group, we knew it was just starting. So when we got back there, you know, we were in Kuwait. I remember I was one of the three guys sent forward to meet with the 3rd Brigade of the 82nd Airborne. And uh, so that first day I j jumped in a softback Humvee with these guys, we were friends, you know. And we went into the city on a convoy and we got hit right at the Cloverleaf. And we were probably in about, I would say, a 500 meter engagement zone. You know, RPGs and 12.57 coming in, 40 Mike Mike and 50 cals going out. And we fought our way to this meeting we were going to. And then we were there, we got into a uh, deliberate attack. No kidding, 120 millimeter mortars um, with bounding RPK teams closing on us. And we took 19 wounded uh, on that one battle, the first day. And we came out, we fought our way out of the north side of the city, went back into the camp and we were debating in Kuwait, this is how off we were. We should leave the tanks. We shouldn't bring the tanks north. It's really aggressive. We shouldn't bring the tanks. And I remember my buddy, uh, Sparky Renforth, I told him what happened. He's like, holy cow. Gets on the phone, calls back to Kuwait where the regiment was and like, bring the tanks. <laughs> and that's how that deployment started. It was just on, solid, solid fighting for 14 months. Uh, the regiment I was in, um, the, the rule of the time, or the, the practice of the time was seven months 
for active duty Marines who would rotate out. And I was a reserve Marine, you know, and I became uh, one of the people that understood the city and the enemy lay down in the city. And uh, we took some casualties. Uh, we took some unfortunate casualties that, uh, that, that hurt the leadership of our unit. And, um, and I came up for rotation with the rest of the staff and I called my wife. I said, hey, you know, uh, I think I'm supposed to stay. I'm supposed to, I'm not, I think I'm supposed to come back on this street. I think I should stay here. She said, okay, well then do it, you know? So I stayed for the rotation of the task force. And uh, that was, I think, in September. And by November, it was full on, full on attack in the city. Uh, and we took the city in November. Came home from them, got selected for command when I was there, and got notified when I got back that my battalion was going to be the next battalion to go back out. But I was a reservist, and it wasn't for like a year and a half. So I spent a year and a half training this, you know, with other Marines, and training this battalion to go back, and we went back to Haditha in 2007. I came out of my second deployment to Iraq after Fallujah, and I started to realize, boy, I, I, I'm not right. And I got young kids and a wife and, you know, and I own a business and I've done my share, you know. Um, and I had to decide uh, if I was going to keep doing this. I remember thinking, I'm going to become a cliche. I'm going to be the, you know, the divorced guy sitting at the end of a bar. And then uh, somewhere along the line, it clicked on me. This, I think when I got selected for command, you know, and I knew I was going back. And, and I remember looking when I started training this battalion, it was uh, 19 dead and 300 wounded. That was the average for an infantry battalion for Marines going over at that time. So I was, okay, I'm gonna lose 20 guys and 300 are gonna be wounded. And I mean, you know, blast injuries and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, man, am I, that's a heavy price. And then what I realized, it just clear as a bell one day, it just came to me, you know. I had 20 additional years of emotional shock absorber, that was the word that came into my mind, than the average Marine. And I had pretty significant combat experience by then. So my job, was to take them through that experience and bring them back the other side. You know, first to win, you gotta win your battles. That, that ha that's a must. But on the back end of that, to deliver them back whole. And so my focus was to make sure they were fortified through the experience and then uh, enabled and empowered because of it. Which sounds kind of cheesy, but that's really what I was trying to do. And so, so I got right with that. I got asked to go back as the J-2, which is the intelligence officer for a NATO, British-led division in uh, Kandahar province and went over to Helmand province too. Sometimes I would go across the airfield and say, hey, I want to go out and see it for myself. Can you kind of get a helicopter and go see it? And they would give me a, a OH-56 small helicopter and I would fly around and see things and visit my friends who were the commanders out there, make sure I understood what was happening. And then uh, at night, uh, I would do confirmation briefs for special operations, you know, that were wanting to go out that night and do certain objectives, authorize or deny those, and then we would kick it off that night. Inevitably, when you're in combat operations, there's gonna be casualties. Deceased service members would, would be brought out to a C-17 and fly out, and we would go render honors to them and just repeat it over and over and over every day. At that rank, I was a colonel then, you're not really out there doing it anymore. When I was not personally in harm's way, it made it harder for me to um, reconcile the, the, the amount of risk some people were taking. I would have given anything um, to go do it. Um, that's what you know. It's like you're in the game all the time and all of a sudden you're coaching. Um, 
it was hard to deal with, yeah. And so that's a, just a transition that everybody goes through. But that would have been the biggest transition for me on that tour. So in 2013, I was selected to be a general. And so that just requires more time. You can't do that on, you know, weekend, a month, and two weeks here. It doesn't work that way. My wife and I had a deal. Every time we got promoted, uh, if I stayed in the Marine Corps, if I, if I took, if I took, if we took a promotion, if she and I agreed I was going to stay in and get promoted, then the next time they called, we'd have to say yes. That was the deal we made. So I got selected for two-star general, <clears throat> and I got a phone call. And uh, Sue and I had said, okay, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be yes. And I thought for sure it was going to be Iraq, Syria, Pakistan, whatever, you know, one of the garden spots. And um, and they said, uh, Southcom, Miami, which you work Central America and South America, Caribbean. Holy cow. My daughter could stay in that school. My son was already in college. My, uh, my wife could stay there in St. Louis and I could fly back and forth. You know, it was way better than being overseas. Did a short tour as the, the deputy commander for Southcom, and then ultimately became what's called J5, the director of plans and strategy for uh, the combatant command, kind of laying out what the strategy is in Western Hemisphere for the DOD and interagency. And, uh, and then I got a phone call talking about this job. I am the commander of Marine Forces Reserve and Marine Forces South. And what that is, is uh, the, all of the reserve Marines within the Marine Corps is about 100,000. Uh, I'm kind of responsible for making sure that they're trained and ready for any contingencies. And my other hat is I am responsible for the Marine Corps presence and activities in 32 different nations in the Western Hemisphere. By the time you get to three-star general, you're, uh, you're oftentimes you're dealing with Congress, you're dealing with service secretaries, you're dealing with uh, elected officials and, uh, and appointed officials. Chairman Tester, Ranking Member Shelby, and distinguished members of the subcommittee, thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today and to testify on behalf of the Commandant of the Marine Corps about your Marine Corps Reserve. I celebrate the fact uh, that we are free people and the professional military welcomes civilian control. That's in our Constitution. That's the oath we take every time we get promoted, re-enlist, accept another contract or whatever you want to say. So, so when I'm dealing with professional staffers, even though they may be 15 years younger than me, you know, I understand it's my burden to communicate best advice and place complex issues within context that are easily understood and answering the questions they need answered. Over the last year, more than 2,600 Reserve Marines and Sailors mobilized supporting 45 operational requirements in each of the six geographic combatant commands. We're in this rank and you know doing this and people playing music for you and standing up and giving you things. You have to be careful not to take this too seriously. There was a series of um, exceptionally lucky things that happened for me and I'm not being self-paced. This is God's honest truth. And I've gotten a disproportionate amount of credit for things that Marines have done on my watch. And I've been very lucky that awful things haven't happened on my watch. So I'm just very eager to hand it off to the next person and then go live a quiet life and service in some other way. But I'm not interested in a legacy. The juice for me has been, you know, over a period, you know, my fourth decade now, you know, I still work in a place where I see human potential emerge. And as it turns out, it's rank agnostic, it's billet agnostic, it has nothing to do with your background. It just comes launching out. And I see it time and time again, and it is incredibly inspirational when it does. It still blows me away.
We still need hard young people that are willing to submit to exceptional discomfort. And the deal, the bargain is, if you submit, then we'll return you a better version than you would have been by yourself. Because you're going to do hard things. And you're going to be with people doing hard things. And, and that has been uh, something that's worked for a long, long time. Um, and I think from time to time, we need to be reminded there's a small, tiny percentage we're looking for. And at the end of the day, they become leaders, captains of industry, leaders of nations. And, uh, and this is a place where they are smithed as young leaders. And uh, we value them. You, you give us everything you have, and we will make you better. And the sacrifices that you will endure, and there will be sacrifices, at the end of your life, you're not going to get rich doing this, but you're going to get wealthy. And how you count your wealth as you become a mature person just gets different, and you got to trust me on that. But it's absolutely worth doing, and we still value it. The warrior class still values it. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description to become a partner today.